Ho there! You're listening to the Goblin Broadcast Network. GBNcom.com. Did you mean to do that? Follow the Path, the Bears Grove Podcast. Adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art at bearsgrove.com. This is the Bears Grove Podcast for Monday, August 21st, 2006, number 23. My name is Sam Chubb, your host, and I am pleased to have you with me today. Today on the podcast, we're going to have the following segments. In the Storyteller's Corner today... We have the continuation of last week's Freak Show Player Characters segment with some advice as to how you can make them feasible. And in the Game Designer's Workbench, we'll talk about the Lyrica Conflict Navigation System. Finally, we'll follow up with some feedback, but first, some news and notes. Dragon Con is nearly upon us, and I have discovered that it's going to be a gaming and podcasting panel hosted by Jim Van Verth of the Vintage Gamer Podcast, and I have talked about him on the podcast before. I'm excited about Dragon Con. It looks like my social time will be primarily towards the beginning of the convention, and I will be slammed in... All day, Monday, pretty much, and most of the day, Sunday, running games. But that's okay. I noticed that my Firefly game has sold out, but no one has signed up yet for Changeling or for many of my D20 slots. So obviously there'll be room for people to register at the con directly. So if you'd like to game with me, come on down to Dragon Con and get signed up as soon as possible, and I'm sure that we can work something out. wanted to tell you a little bit more about Gen Con Almost Live. I've really been amazed at the kind of community that has sort of sprung up very quickly, the links of which have always been there. Um, After all, uh, gaming podcasters tend to be each other's fans first and foremost, But a lot of the gaming podcasters met at Gen Con, and it's been incredibly impressive to me how they've all come together, and they still sort of hold out the hand of friendship to those who couldn't make the convention, like myself. And we've formed a Yahoo group, which is great, of our very own, sort of a super secret cabal kind of thing. Um, And that's been a lot of fun. And finally, in news and notes today, I'd like to say that the Bears Grove has a forum now, all its own, that you can get to from bearsgrove.com. Go to forum.bearsgrove.com and log in, and you can start posting. It's a wonderful uh, implementation of BB Press and... I'm really happy with it. It doesn't give you all the bells and whistles that you're used to at, say, the Dragon's Landing Inn or Fear of the Boot or something you know like that. They have really cool you know implementations of incredible uh, forums, but it is still a good forum, and it's what I like because it's fast and it involves um, the same kind of technology that runs WordPress. So. I'm a big fan of WordPress, and so this was a natural fit for me. So I look forward to your participation in our forum at forum.bearsgrove.com. So uh, next up, I have a little uh, mysterious stinger to play for you, and then we'll get right into our segment on the Freak Show characters 
It's part two, and it's going to start right in the middle of where we left off last time. So be prepared. It's just going to come out, come back after the break. Shaken, not stirred. So, the questions that you really need to ask yourself when you're suggesting that you play an unusual PC is, first of all, how can you relate to the other characters and and how can your character relate to the other player characters? Because that is going to be the big deal. I mean, if you are playing something that is so totally off the, off the cuff and kind of strange that people kind of don't know how to react to you, that's going to be difficult. So you're going to have to think ahead of time, like, how can I relate to these people? What can I do to sort of have a common bond with them? You know, how can I handle the bits of business that are required in game? For example, communication, exploration, combat, travel, cities, you know, going into cities, dealing with those, you know, language, those kind of things. You have to figure out all the little aspects that allows your character to interact relatively normally with the other players and and with other characters in the game. Next question is, what background and special story aspects can I bring out to make my character more rich and interesting? Well, you know, that's extremely important. If the character seems to have an explanatory story behind it, it can seem much more real and interesting than it would if it didn't have one. And having special story aspects, uh, you know, like, for example... With Accordia, I mean, she was the avatar of the goddess, but because she had had no training as a priestess, and because she could not give the signs and signals that priestesses were expected to give, she was immediately thrown out of the church. She claimed that she was a priestess, they, they tested her, and she failed the test, and so they threw her out of the church, which is kind of ironic considering that she really was the personification of their their own goddess but there you have it finally you know i wanted to take you through a character such as for example a water elemental now you want to play a water elemental that's great what i would suggest you do is first of all you have to think about the water elemental think about what how that character can relate to other characters and other players so the first thing you're going to need to do is is have a human form, have a mortal form that you can, a humanoid form at least, that other people can look at you and say, see, you know, eyes and a facial expression and that sort of thing. Because if you don't have that, if you're just sort of a wave that walks around, you're going to look kind of silly and people are, you, everywhere you go, you're going to cause consternation and panic. So that's one thing. Another thing is how do you handle the bits of business in the game? How do you communicate? Okay, so your character needs to know how to communicate somehow. You either need to have special magical powers that let you, you know, use telepathy or, you know, some sort of magical ring or something like that that'll let you communicate, or you have to have somebody else in the group who can speak Aquan or some other, uh, you know, special language that will 
translate for you. And even then, you're going to have to realize that that person's going to have to be nearby just to keep everybody else up to speed. Now, slowly but surely, the players can decide to spend skill points on making themselves you know, fluent in the language that you speak. But starting out, there has to be at least one other player character who can speak to you. The way exploration goes, you, can, you need to think in terms of, okay, so what are the challenges about getting around that I have? You know, am I, am I going to dry out if I'm left out in the sun? Am, am I going to you know, be destroyed by fire? You know, how am I going to deal with getting around? Combat is the same way. If all you have is the basic abilities of a war elemental, that's all fine and good, but... You know, water elementals were not designed uh, by the game designers to be major, you know, opponents necessarily. They have some powers and that's about it. But you have to be more useful than that. You're going to need to have some skills, some spells or some spell-like powers or something that will help you bring, you know, benefit to the party as a whole. Obviously, you're going to want to travel by sea whenever possible or, you know, when you're resting, you have to think about well, okay, so I'm not going to be able to hold on to this bipedal form all the time. So maybe when I'm sleeping, I need a sleeping bucket, you know, that would be kind of cool. Um, or a sleeping barrel, like, okay. And then like people, there might be some opportunities from, for cute story elements like, well, what is that? Is that a barrel of wine? No, that's a barrel of Steve. The, you know, think about cities. You're going to have to really be good at disguising yourself to get into a city unless you just want to you know, travel through the sewers and get to where you're going inside of buildings, talking with people, you're going to need to be able to control the fact that you tend to get everything wet when you sit down or whatever you just, so think about this. And if you can come up with answers to those questions, like how are you going to interact? Then that'll be a, a major bonus to making your character work. And of course you have the whole background of being a water elemental, what background and special story aspects you might have. So, for example, you could be, you know, an exiled prince of the water elemental plane. And at that point, you know, there's a lot of different stories. Like, why are you exiled? Did you leave on your own accord? Uh, is there intrigue in your lands? You know, what's going on? How did you get deposed by some other nasty water elemental that was coming into play? That sort of thing. You're also going to need to worry about what implications or ramifications will come of having this PC in the story. So you have to think to yourself, okay, I'm always going to be a little different. People are going to always, there's always going to be something going on. And I've got to worry about several different things. You know, I've got to worry about whether a mage is out there who's going to summon me or maybe control me with, you know, special powers that, that only mages have to control spirits of, of the water. I'm going to have to make sure I don't freeze solid because I won't be able to move. I'm going to have to make sure that I am not burned up by fire or, you know, dispersed by a storm. What if I do? You know, what if that happens? What what happens then? What if I get split up into two separate buckets? What happens then? You know, when one bucket goes to one part of the country and one bucket goes to the other, you know, what happens? So you're going to have to think about these things, work through them with your storyteller, come up with some stable suggestions that are actually going to make the character work and go from there. Um, obviously it's more work, more trouble than a regular PC. But I think that if you just go with it and show some imagination and show some creativity and work through these little challenges and details, 
you can come up with something which is really cool. And I've had a lot, you know, all, all these characters that I've talked about before, plus a whole bunch of other characters. I've had dragon PCs, and I've had, you know, well, the game that that Cynthia and I play in. So Claire is she's like this half silver elf, half demon character who, you know, is just now coping with the 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 aspects of that, and it's just you know you have to be willing to go the distance and make extra effort to make the character work. Next up, we have the conflict navigation system segment in the game designer's workbench. Well, welcome back to the game designer's workbench. I hope you didn't think that I'd forgotten about you. All my game design fans and I, I do have some um i have been working on lyrica and i've been trying to put together this uh conflict navigation system uh cns the thing of it is i still don't have a system i am close to a system i'm close to something that is workable but I have, uh, I wanted to talk a, l- a little bit about what I have got come up with. And as you can realize, you know, this is the process of creation. This is what we do as game designers. We think about something, we hold it in our minds, we turn it over and over, and we test it in theory, and then we commit to it, see if it works, and then later on, we destroy it, throw it, you know, break it up into a thousand pieces and start over because that's what you do. That's, that's how you get good ideas. That's how you get, you know, some original thinking. So the first thing I want to talk about is the um, various phases of conflict. And I've done a lot of studies about conflict navigation and conflict uh, resolution uh, there's a lot of stuff online about this especially about things like conflict ne- resolution between warring parties and different cultures or you know f- diffusing conflict between people in cities and stuff like that and i've got to tell you some of that has informed my thinking but most of it is something most of my th- thinking really revolves around sort of taking a step back from some of the gaming systems I've dealt with in the past and trying to see things on a more lyric level, a more story-oriented, more cinematic or literary kind of level. So let's talk about that for a moment. The first stage of any conflict in Lyrica is the awareness stage. Awareness takes into account what you know at the beginning of conflict or what that you know, or that you know a conflict has begun. Sometimes you're not aware of that from the start. And awareness informs the next step, which is precedence. And precedence is basically the initial stance of each party in the conflict who has what advantages, what benefits and disabilities that will inform and inf- uh, and affect the conflict that's coming. And then we get to the decision phase. Decision is where you decide what your action is going to be, what 
what of the uh, of the conflict paths you're going to take. And finally, the aftermath section of the conflict, the aftermath uh, phase, where we discover what happened and what's the result and how is the landscape changed to a certain extent after the decision. So what is the effect of the decision and now, you know, what sets us up for the next awareness cycle? So that is the outline for the navigation system. And now I want to talk a little bit about the decision segment, because that's where a lot of the juice is really to this section. You can, I've, I've narrowed down the decision segment into four potential actions, four separate paths, if you will, that will take you through the conflict. And the first path is the path of relent. Now, relent basically is the path of um, withdrawal, letting go, demurring, uh, preparing yourself, resting, recovering, and retreat. The Obviously, that is a very defensive position to be in. It's a very uh, passive role. Um, obviously, you're, you're not moving the conflict forward with that. You're trying to defuse the conflict. You're trying to move away from it. You're trying to uh, sort of mitigate it. Um, you're going to relent. Um, the next action path that can you know, that we're offering here is to escalate and escalate is what you think of when you think about attacking. If you're going to go on the offense and attack someone, you are escalating the conflict. That means you're going to expend energy to move the conflict forward in some manner. Finally, uh, there's two more. Uh, maneuver is the next one. And what maneuvering is, is a action that allows you to do things like evade or change positions tactically or goad someone or taunt them or lie to them or deceive them in some way. It is a passive, aggressive action, to be honest. That's the best way to describe it. Um, you're not technically trying to escalate the conflict necessarily openly, but as you maneuver the conflict, you're trying to change it. You're either changing an aspect of it, like, okay, I don't like this battlefield. We're going to change to a new battlefield. Or you're changing the parameters of the conflict somehow. Like, okay, you know, it's not about whether we both get there at the same time. It's whether we both get there and we're um, presentable to see the princess or something like that. And believe me, I'll, I'll give more examples about this the next time we talk, but it's uh, it's kind of gelling in my mind right now. Finally, the last aspect, the, the last path um, I'm talking about is the scan path. And scan is sort of a perception path. It is, you know, basically take stock, test the waters, read someone, gather information, look, sense, scout, you know, take stock of what's going on, refocus, you know, in D&D is definitely a scan action. Now, there are some rules associated with these action paths. They are literally a path because 
we're going to be putting them down one, two, three in sequential order as the conflict goes on. Obviously, each of these actions necessitates a reaction, but they also cause you to have possibly have limited choices as to what you can do the next time your decision phase comes around. And by the way, we're just going to use the word round as a um, sort of shorthand for the next time your decision phase happens. So, for example, if you escalated last round, that is to say attacked, this round you can either relent or maneuver. Some, I imagine we will also allow you to further escalate. Um, that is sort of a given. But this round you can either relent or maneuver. You cannot go from escalating into scanning. That doesn't work. Then if you maneuvered last round, you can either escalate, relent, or scan. You can do all three of them because maneuvering is all about getting in, you into position so you can open up your de decisions and open up your actions. Same thing goes with scan. Finally, if you relented last round, you can either scan or maneuver. You cannot escalate. Okay, You can't go from um, relenting to escalating. It's not something you can do. You have to go from relenting to either scan or maneuver to get to escalate again. Um, which, you know, that's that's just the way that we're uh, working on this. Uh, trying to create a system um, that will create a uh, kind of, that'll create a kind of narrative path through the story. Now, next time around, we'll talk about scenes and dramatic beats and, and talk a little bit about how this might be applied. And uh, we're leading up to a sample combat between two characters, so or at least a sample conflict. Remember that this conflict system is not just about combat. It's about anything you want to do. So, you know, you could use this conflict system to simulate a war of words, a, a battle of wits between two ladies of the court, or, you know, uh, a, a, a magical duel between two wizards. So, you know, let's not keep our heads just in combat mode, although that is the easiest way to think about these things. And next up, we have the feedback section. Well, finally, we have the feedback section, and I wanted to thank um, Seth for writing in. Seth says, just wanted to let you know that I listen to your podcast on a regular basis and really like what I hear, especially if it has anything to do with something you've created or a game you've run. One question, though. Where can I find some of your stuff? I was mainly interested in this Firefly Storyteller game system you've spoken of. I love the Storyteller system and want to run futuristic games sort of like Firefly. Just keeping up with you. Later, Seth. Well, Seth, I've got to say, um, the Firefly Storyteller system that I talked about last week, um, I was discussing the Dragon Con game that I have put together called A Mighty Fine Mess which will involve a homebrew Firefly Storyteller game. What I did 
is I took the storyteller character sheet and I changed some of the skills around, kept the attributes the way they were, and switched a lot of things around and came up with some new traits of my own. But ultimately, the rest of the uh, game just kind of falls right in line with the basic Vampire the Masquerade or Werewolf the Apocalypse sort of game. And this is the uh, a very good reason for that is that I really know Storyteller pretty well. I ran Werewolf quite a lot when I was uh, working for White Wolf, and I really liked it. And I also find it to be very compatible with the um, Firefly universe and the ways, the kind of stories that Joss Whedon writes. So I wanted to definitely be, you know, good to that. But at the same time, um, I don't own a copy of the Serenity role-playing game, which a lot of people uh, are playing. And as a result, I came up with this expedient uh, way back before the Serenity game was available. And now that it's out, I have not yet been able to afford to buy it. And, you know, I'm sort of uh, waiting to get to that point. I'm, it might be that, you know, I've definitely looked at other people's copies, and I really enjoy the way it looks. I think it's wonderful. But um haven't actually gotten a hold of a copy myself. So instead of selling people a bill of goods and saying, oh, this is a Serenity role-playing game, I just tell it like it is. You know, this is a Firefly Storyteller game. But the downside is that I don't own the Storyteller system. And really, this is the sort of thing I can only release uh, to... Uh, I can't really release because it's a homebrew. And I can't sell it and I can't make money off of it because it is a Storyteller game system ripoff. And, you know, I don't have license to do that. There's no open gaming license having to do with the Storyteller system. I wish there were, but there's not. And um, so basically, I have to keep it kind of to myself. I'm really sorry. I um, would really love to release this as a Creative Commons uh, open gaming kind of uh, game system. But who knows? You know, maybe one day uh, White Wolf will get the license for Firefly and uh, I can knock on their door and say, look, I've already got a game written for them. Um, at any rate... Uh, but thank you very much for your questions. And if you have questions, please don't hesitate to give me um, a shout-out or an email. My email address is bearsgrove. Fancy that. Bearsgrove at gmail.com. Well, you've come to the end of another Bears Grove podcast. How does it feel? Ah, feel that lovely Bears Grove breeze. Yes, it's time to say farewell but don't worry we will be back um as always the next time we uh release this podcast and you know never never fear there will be another one it's just uh sometimes they do take a little time between them don't they the bears grove is brought to you by the fireheart foundry in addition to the bears grove the foundry produces the bears grove bardic circle Dragon Ken, the podcast for kids and gaming, and Vibrant Living. More information is available at fireheartfoundry.com. Music today is from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Pocketbell's Canon for Strings by Stephen Kreinberg. As always, the Bears Grove is generously provided under a Creative Commons 
attribution, no derivatives, no commercial use, license 2.5. I encourage you to support free culture and think about what cool and nifty things you can do with the Creative Commons license at creativecommons.org. The Bears Grove calls for your feedback. You can email us at bearsgrove at gmail.com or send us a voicemail at our audio address, which is clearly visible on, at bearsgrove.com. Or you can go to the phone and call me. My voicemail number is 206-888-2327. And leave us comments at the show blog at bearsgrove.com. Well, that about wraps it up for the Bears Grove number 23. We're getting close to the end of our first year of podcasting coming up on September 16th. I remember just about last time this year, I went to Dragon Con and was able to see the podcast panel there and made the decision to go ahead and do my own podcast shortly after that. So we're coming up on it and I can't wait. At any rate, I really appreciate you listening and I bid you sweet dreams when you get them.